So there was a woman, and she said to her husband, she said, husband, my dear, husband of many years, oh, husband of mine, will you please get up off the couch and go to the kitchen and make me a bowl of ice cream? And he said, sure. He said, she said, now, oh, husband of mine, lately you've been a little forgetful. Do you think that maybe you should write that down? He said, nonsense. I'm a man. I've got a great memory. I'm like an elephant. I never forget. I can remember a dish of ice cream. And she says, well, if that's the case, you know, I'd also think maybe you could put some of those strawberries on it, a little whipped cream, and maybe two spoonfuls of those chopped nuts we've got in the cabinet. Do you think you could do that? He said, come on, of course I can do that. She said, that's a lot. Maybe you should write that down. He said, listen to me. My memory is not all that bad. I can remember a dish of ice cream with some strawberries, some whipped cream, and two spoonfuls of those little nuts we've got chopped up in the cabinet. I can do this. I do not need to write this stuff down. And she says, all right. Thank you, honey. And he goes in the kitchen. She waits for a minute, and it's starting to take a little longer to get this thing going. Now, suddenly she hears some pots and pans banging around pots and pans, and then she hears the stove click on, she hears some scraping and some sizzling, and she smells something cooking, and after a while, he walks out, and he hands her a plate of bacon and eggs, and she looks at him with a look that you can only get if you've been married for many years, and she looks down at her plate, she said, I told you you should have written this down, I asked for toast. There you go. Let it burn. <laughs> Does anybody else forget anything? You all forget stuff? Is it just me? I've forgotten. Uh, thank you. Ka Caitlin, I can always count on to help me out here. Listen, I forget some things. I, I'll walk into a room and forget why I walked in there. And then I'll just assume that it was to go to the fridge and get something to eat. <laughs> uh, I have uh, been prone to get through a long checkout line after an hour of grocery shopping only to remember, well, my goodness, my wallet is on my nightstand. <laughs> Anybody else? Please tell me I'm not the only one who does that. You know, a wise person once told me, hey, learn to laugh at yourself every once in a while, and these things, they won't be such a big deal and won't bother you so much. Now, I wasn't laughing. Last time I drove all the way from Glenville to Hinesville to Statesboro, or to Hinesville, to Walmart, to navigate all of the little aisles that are going on there in the grocery section and then realize, well, 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 my debit card is not in town with me. I wasn't laughing that day. But, you know, we can laugh about it now, can't we? Because it's really not a big deal. It's really not a big deal. It's a, these are little things. And you can just laugh them off. They're not that big in the great scheme of things. But, you know, we don't always forget little things, do we? Now, sometimes the things we forget are big things things that matter maybe a little bit more. Sometimes we might forget why we fell in love and made lifelong vows to one another. We might forget the sense of purpose, the reason why we do the thing that we're doing. We can even forget what our salvation means, taking for granted all that we have uh, been blessed with by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. We can forget these things. And when we forget things like that, we don't just uh, lose a moment in the past. We don't just have a minor inconvenience today. We, we lose something big for us now and for the future when we forget things like that. You know, I was talking to Dylan Mulligan the other day. Hey, Dylan, how are you? 
Dylan's a young adult in our church. Uh, he is uh, doing a lot of wonderful things along with his whole family. We've got a lot of wonderful young adults in our church. Um, and he loves history. Dylan's also our church historian. Um, he's an advocate for Tattnall County history, Glenville history, and, and you always see something about his family history uh, he's, when he's putting these things on Facebook. Forgotten places, things you didn't realize were true, uh, a map with X number of blacksmiths in Glenville. Where did they all go? I'd love to see a blacksmith. But Dylan is passionate about telling the stories of the people and the events of the past. So I texted him the other day. I said, Dylan, tell me about uh, your passion for history. Why are you passionate about history? He said a few things. He said this. He said, um, <clears throat> history is what defines us. It defines our families and our communities. When you can look at a portrait of your great, 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 great grandfather who came over from Ireland. I got the right amount of greats? Okay. When you're great times four grandfather who came over from Ireland in 1796 and you can still see a family resemblance or you can read records of your great 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 grandfather who settled in Georgia in 1735 and still see similarities in the same family today that means something it tells you who you are now I had two thoughts when I uh, three thoughts now because I'm a preacher I have more than two thoughts Usually three points in a poem. I had this thought. I said, <laughs> I said, one, I'm not sure that I know my great-grandmother's name. Praise Dylan's got it going on over here. Two, this guy is awesome. Uh, he's going to be up here in a few weeks, I guarantee you. And three, that'll preach. Tells you who you are. That'll preach. The past does remind us of who we are. But, you know, he, I was reading a little further. He didn't stop there. He went on to say, you know, there's a common saying, if you don't understand history, you're doomed to repeat it. And I like the way he summarized that. He said, if you don't know where you come from, you can't possibly know where you're going. Well, that'll preach too. And it will today. It'll preach today. Because I was thinking about uh, history and remembering and the value it has to remind us of who we are and to direct us into the future. And I was thinking about our Lenten focus on the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And I'm wondering... Does something that happened so many years ago, what does it matter for us today? And thinking about this passage that we're about to read from Romans chapter 5, I think it'll preach today. So why don't you turn with me? I want to share this passage of scripture with you to Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. There are pew Bibles in the pew racks if you'd like. You can use your Bible app on your phone or listen. Today I'll be reading from the New International Version. I invite you to hear the word of the Lord. Paul writes to the Romans, You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received 
reconciliation. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Paul gives us a little history lesson here, and a good one, because if God's actions in the past tell us about who we are, and Paul wants the Romans and Paul wants us to remember a little bit about who we are in Christ, because if we forget where we came from, a historian from a town called Glenville reminded us we're doomed to repeat history. And so Paul backs up and he tells us a little bit about the history of humanity and how Jesus changes things. And these verses, this history lesson, centers on the crucifixion. If you look, in nearly every verse, there's a reference to Christ's death or his blood shed during his death. In every verse in this passage, the cross of Christ in this argument and throughout history, really, it's the turning point of the entire state of humanity. I want you to look. Paul wants to describe, he wants to remember what we were like before Christ died for us. So look at the terms he uses to describe the state of people. Uh, in verse 6, for example, you can look in your Bible, I'll tell you. He says, when, when we were still powerless, we were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. We were powerless, ungodly. In verse 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And in verse 10, while we were God's enemies. You hear that? Paul uses this escalating description of the plight of humanity. A description of who we were outside of Christ. Powerless and ungodly, sinners, enemies of God. Yet while we were still powerless, Paul wants us to remember, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ intervened in this state of humanity, and through the mystery of his work on the cross, we are made right and reconciled to God through faith. Paul wants us to remember this is what you were, but Christ paid this price, and now you are right and reconciled. Don't forget, though, where you came from. Remember this lesson. Let's never forget. I think Paul wants us to remember. Never forget who we were outside of Christ. And I would tell you, don't ever forget who we were before Christ. And don't ever take the great cost that Jesus paid for us for granted. Don't take it for granted. Don't forget that we are not self-made people. We are not self-made people. And we are not made righteous by our own ingenuity, efforts, or charm. We are cross-made people. Made righteous because of God's love demonstrated by Christ's death for us when we deserved it least. Don't forget these things. By keeping the death of Christ at the center of the conversation, Paul reminds us that what we are in Christ now is different than what we were before, and it costs something. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget where you came from, because then you might not ever know where you're going and you might be doomed to repeat history. I know many a Christian, and I've been in a place like this myself, I promise you, where I begin to take for granted the great grace that God has given me to help me change my life, to be forgiven, to be set free. And the moment that starts to happen, I start to think that I'm something cool, something good, something worth it. And then guess what creeps back in? Ungodliness, sin, 
powerlessness. Let's never forget. Never forget our history as Christians, that we were once in plight, but Christ died for us. Don't forget. But also, Paul wants us to remember that. Paul wants to give us this identity check, but he also wants to tell us something else about why we need to remember the history of Christ's crucifixion. Because for Paul, in this passage of scripture, he wants to tell us that the cross is not finished with its work yet in us, let alone in the world. Paul invites us back to an identity that launches us forward into the fullness of what our salvation means. And I love how he does this. It's right in the passage. If you've got it, you can look at verse 9 and 10. You're going to notice something, and I love this. It's a preacher's dream. He repeats this phrase, how much more then shall we be saved? He repeats this phrase, how much more then? And I, I wish I could hear him doing it. It's such a powerful repetition and, uh, that proclaims that the crucifixion is still working on us to lead us to the fullness of God's plan for our lives. The crucifixion is not just a moment in history, though it is. It's not just a moment that was though it was, it's not just a thing that happened at a point in time way back when, but it is. It is also something that God continues to work out in our lives. Paul says, since we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Paul says, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more shall we be saved through his life? In other words, don't forget the cross because there is so much more yet to come. New Testament scholar N.T. Wright puts this how much more discussion. He puts it like this. He's thinking about Christ's death and the great work that he'll continue to do through his death and risen life. He tells this little story. He says, if someone has driven to the other end of the country through rain and snow and freezing fog and uphill both ways or whatever my grandpa used to told me to go and see a friend in need, they're not going to get all the way there and then abandon their quest when they arrive at the house when all they've got to do is get out of the car, walk up the garden path and knock on the door. They're not going to go through all that and stop short. And in the same way, Christ died for us to make us right and reconciled to God, and he does not stop short. There is so much more that Christ's death and then risen life works into our life. How much more then will we be saved? Now that you have been saved, how much confidence we can have in the fact that God welcomes us safely into his holy presence? How much more can we know that God invites us to be with him and it will not be dangerous for us to be in the presence of his great holiness because we are covered by Christ. Now that you have been set right in relationship with God, how much more can you enjoy the sweetness of union with God? Now that you have been justified, how much more can you leave behind sinful existence and move towards the holy life that God created you to be. How much more then, if God did this in Christ, how much more then will Christ do 
You see, the cross is not done with its work. Don't get lost in forgetfulness, my friends. It's okay to forget your keys. It's okay to forget your wallet. But don't forget these things. Don't lose sight of just how far Jesus has brought us and how much it cost him to do it. Don't take that for granted. Because if we do, if we do take that for granted, we're bound to forget who we are. We're we're bound to forget that it cost a cross to save us. We're bound to forget that it cost a, a savior to save us. We're bound to forget that it cost the death of the son of God to save us. And we're bound to think, I did that myself, thank you very much. My life is good. My life is grand. I make the bank that I need. I've got everything that I want. I make great decisions. I've got it going on. Don't forget. Don't forget that all of the blessing, all of the security of your salvation, all of your forgiveness, all of the power of God that works in you was of Christ's making, demonstrating the love of God on the cross, and it cost him. Do not forget, do not forget where we came from. Because then we can make things quite about us and less about God. Do not forget where we came from. Because then we will look at people out in the world who themselves are uh, weak and ungodly and sinners and enemies of God. And we'll forget that we were once one of them and we'll say, huh, look at those people. And forget and forget that we have something to tell them about a God who demonstrates his love for them, that while they were yet just like they are, Christ died for them. Don't forget. Don't forget the cross. Remember it. Remember it in the same way that any of the Mulligan clan might see their reflection in a generation's old family photo and have a renewed sense of who they are. In the same way, see your reflection and the crucifixion of Jesus. And let it tell you something about who you are. Let it recenter your identity and set you on a purposeful journey towards the heart of God. Because if you can see yourself there, and Christ will do that, how much more then is in store? Let me give you an example of how this works out in someone's life. A few weeks ago, a man from our church sent me an email. It was in response to the first sermon in this series about the crucifixion. And I'm going to read a little bit of it to you. He said, The sermon on Sunday focusing on the cross as the center of our faith tugged at my soul. I spent a better part of this last month sifting through my parents' house, preparing it for the market to sell. His mom's been sick. And to say the least, it's been an emotional time for us both. And what we discovered in there astounded us. The amount of crosses that were in that house, I can't honestly describe. We lost count. Crosses in every corner, every drawer, on every wall, in every room, the utility room, the garage, and even in the toolboxes. It was overwhelming. They were everywhere. And on a kitchen wall, back behind the microwave, was my great-great-grandfather's memorial crucifix from 1927 and in all my life I never knew what that cross meant was it a sign that I was to see that yes I think it was because I can't fathom the amount of pain and bloodshed that Jesus endured 
to pay the debt of sins. Posted with spikes to a cross and left hung for everyone to see, that cost a price that I'm not able to pay back. I will never be worthy of his sacrifice. My attempts will never compare. Crosses everywhere that recentered him and gave him great meaning in a difficult moment in his life. Recentering and remembering the cross, recalling who we were and the cost that Christ has paid for us to be one with God. He also told me a little bit later on um, that his father, who had struggled with actual memory loss, couldn't remember anything, couldn't remember family's names. But you know what he could remember? He could remember what that cross meant. He remembered that. And he also remembered to say, I love you, which is another powerful thing. And if the death of Christ, if the crucifixion, if the thing that Christ paid his life for us will renew this man's faith and that experience, how much more will God work in him as he continues to devote his life to the life that Christ bought for him? How much more? How much more? God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if God will do that, if Christ and his death will accomplish that, how much more then will God do in you and in me and in us and in the world for the sake of his name, for the sake of salvation, and for the sake of the kingdom of God? If God will do that, and Christ's death can accomplish that, how much more then will God do through us? Think on these things. Pray with me.